comic. Why so serious? What? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger mission. Logic. Dance off, bro! Me and you! Comic. What? Logic. Victoria, for your hand in marriage, I'd cross oceans. Or continents. And you're funny, Tristan. Oh, Tristan, a shooting star. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I'd cross the wall and I'd bring you back that one star. You can't cross the wall. Nobody crosses the wall. Now you're just being silly. I do. It seems we have ourselves an agreement. Why, may I ask, were you trying to cross the wall? I might ask you the same thing. Madam, sorry, um, this may seem strange, but have you seen a fallen star anywhere? We're in a crater. This, this must be where it fell. Yeah, this is where it fell. You're the star. You're the star? Really? <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Comic Book Logic. I'm your host, Joe. And with me, as always, my co-host, Kevin. Hey. Today, we're talking about the 2000, what is it, 7? Mm-hmm. 2007 fantasy romantic <laughs> comedy Princess Bride remake. The year uh, was 2007. Stardust. And Kevin is upset because instead of a movie about uh, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, we instead got a movie narrated by Magneto about how Daredevil um, stole Superman's girlfriend and <laughs> fought Catwoman. <laughs> I thought that it was all directed odd. by the guy from Kick-Ass. So I put the movie on and uh, I got about halfway through it before I realized that it was a black and white Woody Allen movie from the 1980s. Um, oh, no, that was I was looking for his early funny ones. Yes. That's yeah, the joke. Stardust Memories. Yes. Uh, that that movie doesn't make a lot of sense. It's funny. I like uh, well, it, it's, it's 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 shot for sure. I mean it's Fellini's eight and a half. Yeah. Because every Woody Allen movie is actually secretly <laughs> a, a complete mo- ripoff of some other movie. Usually Fellini or Bergman. Oh, I hope he never does it to Cameron. Oh wait. Um, yeah, he might. Didn't he do that for he, the was that the Italian one from uh uh, per, uh, Rome the from Rome oh, with love. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, Is it from Rome with love? I think that's the name of that yeah, one. Sure. It wasn't terrible. No, it had the Roberto Benigni scene where he shower. You could only sing in the shower. Yes. <laughs> you could. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a very. <laughs> Okay, so not to get too Sorry. far away from Stardust, yeah, we, but the funniest well. part of that thing is is that it's like you know that that was something that Woody Allen wrote down. Like, guy can only sing while in shower, and he's like, "Eh, I'll put this in this movie." Yeah, well, it's the kind of thing that he would have made a short story about. Yeah, and then he was like, "Let's put it in this dumb movie." All right, so made. so back anyway. to back to Stardust. Um, Kevin, before you saw this movie, what did you know about Neil Gaiman? Well, I've read some Neil Gaiman, fortunately, um, and it's uh, funny. My wife uh, just finished the other day. Uh, I've read it, but she had never read any Neil Gaiman. She just read American Gods uh, on my recommendation. Um, I have also, which I liked. Um, I'm bad at remembering books, though, like because I just I don't know. I'll read a book. I'm, I'm bad at remembering movies too. Like I'll 
read the book and then like a year later i'm like oh i remember i really liked that and they're like what was it about and i'm like i actually don't know <laughs> well i there, have no idea you could just say it's about a british everyman who's thrown into a fantasy situation that describes just about every neil gaiman book <laughs> that's true um, um i've read neverwhere yes which i liked also um even though it was basically a um a novelization of a spec script for a tv series <laughs> radio um, play yeah, basically something. It was clearly meant to continue on, mm. um, and I, I think I read Coraline. I picked it up, um, but I've seen the movie, so I don't know that I that I actually read it. I believe he wrote that as well. Well, Neil Gaiman, of course, is a British American uh, novelist and comic book writer. Probably most famously known from the 80s and 90s for writing DC's Sandman. That's what kind of what he made his name on. Um, the Sandman, of course, ran, uh, I believe it was almost close to 100 issues. I think it was 110 issues. Um, sprawling, epic book about... Uh, Sleeping. Well, yeah, it's about the god dream, or the dream of the endless. He's not quite a god. He's actually above gods when it comes to it. And it goes through... Numerous stories and 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 fables, folklore, um, d- uh, d- dreams, which is kind of the whole the whole point of it. I, I could go for hours and hours and hours on it. It's one of my favorite series of all time. Also, an acclaimed novelist, as you said, he wrote American Gods, which are turning into a TV series on Stars. Mm-hmm. I believe that comes out in January or February. Um, Neverwhere, which was of course a BBC radio play, also was a BBC miniseries too. Yeah. Not great, but uh, it I there. Um, co-wrote Good Omens with Terry Pratchett. Mm. Um, fantastic story about the end of the world. Very British, and of course, all of his all of his writings are very quaint and and very British. They're they they kind of I always kind of put British fantasy into the category. Well, American fantasy is is that uh, the American is always the best. Yeah. Like we, you know, we strive and we we don't we don't work at it. We just are the best. We're the chosen one. And in British, it's it's kind of like this everyman who falls into a situation and it's kind of like, oh, I I, I just happen to have to take this <laughs> ring to Mordor, okay? And, and then <laughs> right. they re- like Harry Potter, um, a Tolkien. It's all about like this guy who does this incredibly great thing and then lives the rest of his life in obscurity. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. and that's all they want is to live their life in obscurity. Yeah. Um, of course, he wrote. Um, Japanese, by the way, is all about training to be the best, and they don't become the best till the last page. That's the that's the <laughs> right. Japanese thing. <laughs> right. um, he also wrote Coraline, which of course was turned into a stop motion movie by Henry Selick, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Neil Gaiman has done tons of comic book work, and he's mostly he mostly likes to dabble in the world of kind of like the literary genre of of fables like he likes mm-hmm. he likes writing short stories that kind of uh feel like they're almost ages old like he he works in the tropes of of that genre and does really good job with it and it makes you kind of feel like oh okay because he won't explain why something is there it's just there and you have to kind of take it for granted that that fantasy is there it's very old school fantasy you don't get that too much anymore like uh now you have to have the George R. R. Martin where everything has to be explained or else no right. I don't I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Um yeah, everything in, is an origin and we have yeah. to explain why and how yeah. everything think, came to be. Exactly. And and it, you know a lot of those older ones like Magic of Xanth or or um Chronicles of Amber. It's just kind of there and you just kind of got to accept the fact that there's this weird fantasy parallel world to our own. And it's like this is what we have to deal with. Dragon Rider is a pern, another one. That's more sci-fi. But whatever. 
of my seven sons, there are four of you today still standing. This is quite a break with tradition. I had 12 brothers. And you killed them all for your throne before your father, the king, even felt poorly. <laughs> we know, father. You're strong and courageous. And cunning. Most importantly, cunning. Secundus. Yes, father? Look through the window. Tell me what you see. <laughs> I see the kingdom, father. Whole of Stormhold. And my kingdom? Maybe. Look up. All right, so Stardust. Yeah. Um, so it, Ian McKellen, a.k.a. Magneto, mm-hmm. <laughs> narrates us this wonderful fable about a boy who goes through a magical wall. Yeah. <laughs> and There's uh, a hole in the wall, and a, it's guarded 24-7 by there's the same guy. There's a hole in the wall. <laughs> there's a guy who's guarding the hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's guarded by this old, of course, British farmer guy. And um, the dad, who, who plays the dad in, in the movie? I... I God, I, I had it and I, I just lost it in my oh, head. Yeah, no, I don't know. But because uh, he wasn't somebody that I recognized, unfortunately. I'm sure he's in uh, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of British stuff. All, all the British things that I don't really know anything about. Although uh, David Kelly, who played the guard, was the Grandpa Joe in the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Um, which is the last time I will ever reference that movie. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter, but um, so this young man goes across the garden wall, and uh, he has this wonderful adventure, and he comes back, and uh, nine months later, a uh, 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 a, a baby, baby boy is dropped off at his shows doorstep. Up. Yep. Yeah, just yeah, he's in. So he 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 gets into this sort of this fantasy world. This little like That's magical very camp. like yeah. yeah, it's like a fantasy. It's a Renaissance fair, <laughs> <laughs> basically, and it's just kind of like oh. That's novel. Uh, There's all to these... your point in sort of the <laughs> intro, where it's yeah. like, yeah, no, this is exactly, of course, this is what's course, on the other side of the wall. Here. Yeah, and it, of course, this slave girl just wants to sleep with you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she gives him a candle. No, no, that comes in the baby. Ba- that comes in the baby right. basket. But she gives him a flower. Yeah, and uh, sort of made up flower. Yeah, some crazy flower that thing. It will bring him luck. It will bring him luck. And maybe it will. Yes. Mm. Um. So this this young man is uh, this boy grows up and you know flash forward what is it like sixteen eighteen years mm, later, yeah. and he's in love with the Baroness from GI Joe, <laughs> and Daredevil is in love with the Baroness from GI Joe. Daredevil Charlie Cox of course is playing uh-huh. is playing the young uh, was it Tristan I believe yes. his name is Tristan is in love with Sienna Miller. Yeah, it's TV's Sienna Miller. Was she on the TV? I don't know. I just always say that <laughs> TV's, TV's Sienna Miller. Sienna Miller. I, I just call her. Boring blonde actress number four, Sienna Miller. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's in love with her. He's trying to woo her. But of course, um, he has to fight against Superman <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for her love. Right. Uh, and they go off on a picnic. And he's uh, telling her that he wants... Yeah, she's, she's using him. Oh, of course. You know, in a, in a very... And that's fine. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Yeah. He's like, 
Oh, you see this falling star? I'm gonna go get it for you. You marry yeah. me, right? And yeah, she's like, you marry. And she, he's like, she's like, yes, that's how marriage works. <laughs> Certainly, that's how marriage you, works. You go do that, and then I will marry you legally. Yes. So of course, um, uh, he he's gonna go over the wall, and his father gives uh, explains to him that you know he came from over the wall essentially, yeah. and he gives him the uh, the candle. Mm-hmm. It's what does it call it? It's a, some kind of special candle. It's, it's a, a weird name. Yeah, like apocalypse candle or something it was like a black that. Black candle. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I don't remember. Yeah, and he's a, and uh, he he takes the he candle. He can travel. It can yeah. teleport you. Yeah. You have to think of the thing. Think of the but thing. Then he done goofs. Yes, he's he's gonna go see his mom. He's gonna go meet his mom. Yes. Well, no, he wants to, the candle to take him to uh, the. Yes, he, he's going to go going see to his, meet mom. his mom, but then he, right as he does it, he says he starts thinking about, about the, the star, star. and That's so what it, it takes is. him to, to the crater yes. where the star landed. Um, go back to, uh, um, now we're in a magical kingdom. Yes. A la the Game of Thrones. Right. You know, the incest everywhere. And <laughs> all, no. um, right. Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. Is dying in bed, and he is. He brings his fratricidal sons together, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I love the, how matter of fact that is too. Where yeah. it's just like, I can't believe there's four of you left. left. You're disappointing. Yeah. It, uh, apparently, the way that you inherit the kingdom is you have to kill off all your other brothers. Sure. Not a bad way of actually designing lineage. I, I'm just saying. You know. It's, I mean, that way at least you know you're getting somebody who really wants it, not just someone who was born first. first. Exactly. Thank you. you and know? that's my problem with british monarchy (laughs) it's like prince charles would not have survived this long if there was actually like god could you imagine that if that was how british monarchy still worked? that'd be amazing i would i would be glued to the tv like who's made a move who's (laughs) what's going on has harry killed uh you know uh, you know has harry killed his brother yet let's go let's see what's going on of course nothing yet (laughs) none of that nonsense yeah um so he uh we're on our way we're, we're on our way here to, yes. to something like that yeah. it's gonna be which 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 trump is gonna kill the oh, other so for... great i could not i could not hope for more <laughs> so the the brothers are all they're killing each other off and uh a few just a few remain you have yeah. um you've got mark, mark strong. strong is septimus mm-hmm. sinestro <laughs> from the green lantern movie ah. another comic book reference there. Oh, there you go and uh his other and his brothers i think there's uh what are the four brothers left yeah there's four brothers left uh yeah J- they- uh jason fleming is left jason fleming is primus yes. he's from uh he's uh azazel in uh x-men first class Ooh. also directed by, by matthew uh, our guy matthew vaughn yes um Rupert Everett is still alive. Yes. Rupert Everett is Secundus. Secundus. Um, known for being the voice of Prince Charming in the Shrek movies. <laughs> it's true, he is. Um, and uh, there's a couple of others. Yeah, that's I don't like, really recognize the rest of them. People who are going to be killed off very quickly. Yes, um, exactly. So Peter O'Toole takes... And when you die, you become a ghost... And you have to sit there next to all of your dead brothers, yes. and you only get to stop being a ghost and pass on when, when your someone brothers. actually wins and takes the throne. Yes. So the so the Peter O'Toole takes a jewel and he throws it, and he says, yeah. "Whoever can get the the ruby, I think it is, yeah, some kind get, of stone, yeah, thing. will become the king." Yeah. Um, so they, I think, the, who do they kill off? They don't kill off Rupert Everett right first. No, no it's it's, the, it's number yeah. four. It's whoever the some dude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Octavius or whatever his name is. They push him out the window. 
Yeah. And then you get this really cool, and not cute, cool, but like cute thing where like all the bro- you see he goes to his ghost brothers and they're all like reminiscent of how they died. So yeah, like, you know they're all cut up and smushed and, yeah. and everything burned. burned. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that leads them on the chase. Okay, that's subplot number two. Right. Then we get uh, subplot number three, where we meet the witches, the 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 Gorgon witches, yeah, whatever they're called, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer, and, and two other actors, <laughs> Kathy Najimy <laughs> and <laughs> right, Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> are um are they're the witches, and they're all old and decrepit, and they learn that a star has fallen, and mm-hmm. with when a they could take the heart of a fallen star and eat it and regain their their youth. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the important Obviously. thing. Obviously. So they're going so they use the last bit of the heart that they have left from the last one so that Michelle Favor can reclaim her youth and go get the heart for them. Yes. Okay, that's subplot number 3. I think. <laughs> There's I, a lot of them. That's only that's There's really the only 3 because yeah. they all kind of intertwine at at right. a certain point. Um so of course Charlie Cox meets and uh, gets to the fallen star and it turns out that the fallen star is Claire Danes of my so-called life. Yeah. Yeah. It's who has a, an English accent now? Who has an English accent for no reason whatsoever yeah. in this movie. No. Do you think that she was like, I think I just want to play the pot with a British accent. And well, Matthew, I mean, because it's, well, it's England or, you know, yeah. England and then like fantasy world next to England. Yeah. But yeah, it's basically like, I don't know what, I mean, they must have run out of British actors. I mean, there are a lot in this movie, but I, mean, I feel like there are more. There could have been a, any they could number. Have gotten Helen Mirren. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> hey, Helen hey, Mirren's hey, not hey, in this. Dame Helen Mirren. Let's, let's. I don't think she was Dame yet. Uh, well, I mean, she is in now. In 2007. So let's, let's, let's be. All uh, right, all yeah, right. Dame Helen Mirren and her wonderful breasts. Sure. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's kind of an explosion. Like, why do stars have to have British accents? Why can't they just have an American accent? I Well, I don't know. But... Hey, oh, 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 I'm a star here. <laughs> Claire Danes. Claire Danes. I fell from the sky. What do you think? <laughs> I got a broken leg because I fell. You're lucky that's all I got. <laughs> freaking star, freaking stone comes up and bonks me on the head. <laughs> I go fall on the head. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I've had it up to here with these rubies. Um, so he's gonna take her back. Yeah. To um. To he's like, well, I said I would bring a star back. I don't know that this is what I meant. I'll be damned if someone calls me a liar. But sure. <laughs> so he- like, I kind of wish that he could have done that. Like, not to jump. I mean, obviously to jump ahead, but like. What would have happened if he would have walked up and been like, "I got you the star," and like Sienna Miller would be like, "This is clearly this is Claire Danes. a woman." I don't understand. <laughs> I grew what... up watching my so-called life. Yeah, this is. <laughs> what are you trying to? Why did you kidnap this woman? <laughs> why did you kidnap? And why is she so passively following you? The stars are clearly not people. I don't understand. <laughs> they're, clearly, they're they're clearly large balls of gas burning in the in the outer space. Um. But yeah, he gets a he has a magic rope that he's able to tie around her. Yeah, uh, I believe he got that was it another must gift have been from his, his mother. Yeah, yeah, it must have been. I I actually missed that, so I was like, oh, he has that. That's fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't care. So he's taking her back. Um, meanwhile, the uh, the the witch, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's witch, uh, take uh transforms a, like a farm boy into a goat and takes his goat and uses it as a chariot. That's kind of yeah. it's somewhat important it's for later, but not, not really. Yeah. Um, she needs a ride. <laughs> I need a ride. <laughs> the goat chariot. Yeah. <laughs> no better way to travel than by goat. I'll tell you. <laughs> 
that's actually Neil Gaiman having some fun because he loves Norse mythology, and uh, his next book is actually a retelling of Norse myths, which yeah. very interesting and. And hopefully it's a time for me to uh, enjoy Norse mythology without having the uh, neo-Nazi overtones mm. well, or undertones. I don't know. But mm. <laughs> so mm. uh, that's how Thor, Thor was pulled by a chariot of goats. Sure. There or, you go. I think they were rams, but still, yeah. it's, 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 it'll do. It's game and having fun. It'll do. Yeah. So she takes the goats and is, uh, turns the chariot into like an inn. Like a, like oh, a, yeah. Like a, she sets a trap because she knows... That she's nearby, so the trap is going to be, yeah, this inn. That's going to be real comforting to her and all that fun stuff. And she, uh, yeah, she gets freed by a unicorn. She does get freed by a unicorn. And then she rides the unicorn to the inn. Yes. And uh, (laughs) it's like something out of a Toto video. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Weird. Or a Rick Wakeman video. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. The Rick Wakeman video would just be him. The song would just be him describing everything happening in the movie. No, it would be 45 minutes of of noodling on an electric keyboard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is like, why Rick Wakeman? And then the unicorn. Yes. So she writes to the end and the... uh, And that's where uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's like, you know, gives her a bath and a really weird sort of erotic way. <laughs> I had weird, yeah. uncomfortable feelings about that. Yeah. Well, And that's where the other brother bites it, too, right? Because he gets in there. Yeah. So you need... The, the, right. She I think needs Rupert, that's be, how Rupert Everett dies. You can know. only cut the heart out, or the heart only works oh, if she's happy, happy. and like, yes, relaxed that's right. and glowy. Yeah. And uh, so that's why it's very, like, when they're... Well, that's at the end of the movie. But yeah. anyway... Um, yeah, because at that moment, uh, Daredevil comes back. Sorry, Tristan comes back, <laughs> and he's uh, like, "Crap, they're gone!" Because he went to get food or he's something like, like crap, that. Crap, 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 <laughs> crap, any crap. That's his catchphrase during the movie. He says it a bunch of times. That's his slogan. Uh, <laughs> I want you to write a movie where that's the hero's catchphrase. Crappy crap. <laughs> Right, it's it's in other every other way. It's like a dirty Harry type, like <laughs> no nonsense. He's, he's doesn't just, play by the book, cop. But it's just like, <laughs> like, like detective way. Like, oh, we got another murder, and he's like, crap, it, crap, <laughs> poop, 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 poop. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the um, what, yeah, what, he what, he right, he gets the stars are telling him like, hey. Hey, hey, you gotta, you gotta go. Once again, New York stars. Hey, hey, oh, what are you doing with the food? You got the stars gonna get the heart taken out. So you he, he's like, dude, you gotta go get on that chariot, and he jumps on, and it's one of the brothers, and he's like, all right. He's like, you're not gonna murder me, are you? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're not gonna murder he's me, like, are you? Good enough for me. That's actually how Kevin has, picks up everyone in his car. You're not gonna murder me, right? No, Kevin, not for like the eighth time. No, I'm not. Yeah, gonna my coworkers you. don't appreciate it. I <laughs> drive to lunch. You're not gonna murder me, right? Uh, which it's not. That's not Rupert Ever, right? That it's the other one. I, no, I don't remember no, which one. The, no, that's the that's the the um the other one from uh, X Men yeah yeah because he gets he gets his throat slit in the bathtub yes yeah um so Charlie Cox gets to the end you know big scene ensues fire everywhere ends burning down yeah. rescues rescues Evane or was it's Evane yeah yeah which is totally a real name yeah once again the Welsh never play Scrabble with a Welshman. <laughs> that is that is our, this uh, the catchphrase of this podcast. podcast. Um, rescues her, and they're the house is burning down. But they got the candle, 
Yeah. And uh, and the, the, he's like, think of home. And of course, they both think of yeah, their, own, their, their homes, own homes. Which I don't know why she would think of his home. She doesn't know where he lives. <laughs> where do you live? Right. I live on 130th and Avenue M, <laughs> south side of Chicago. <laughs> right. Uh, I can't think of that. But what does it look like? Uh, do you ever read The Great Gatsby? It's like the <laughs> desolation outside of the city. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. You can see the glasses of Dr. T.J. Eckelbert. I just so reread The Great Gatsby, by the halfway, way. Halfway. So. Yes, which, uh, in the which clouds. Which I guess means in the clouds. Yes. And so they're standing there in yeah. the clouds. Like, uh, okay. Like, no, this is no. a setback. Well, it's... <laughs> Gravity crap. <laughs> Gravity crap. <laughs> <laughs> and they're rescued by the whalers of the moon uh, <laughs> from Futurama. Where whalers on the moon? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Captain Shakespeare, yeah. aka pirates, Bobby De Niro, sky pirates, sky pirates, Bobby De Niro, by the f- led by the fearsome Captain Shakespeare, yeah. Robert De Niro. Yeah. Um, and he he takes them on board and and, and um, uh, takes them under his wing. Like he's like, oh, you're you're from beyond the wall, you know. I've always wanted to be there. Yeah, they have know? that great scene where he's, you know, he's interrogating them, and they're tied up, and the other pirates are listening, yeah. and uh, he he throws, you know, the the guy out the, you know, overboard, I guess, you know, yeah, out the side. Uh, but then, of course, uh, it turns out that he's it was a ruse it because was a ruse. he's actually. Um, a delightful. <laughs> As they uh, describe him in the in the in the movie, we always knew you were a whoopsie. <laughs> wow, okay. that's that's the line. Nice. Um, okay. He, yeah, he's 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 a li- never expressly said, but he's a little bit on the. Um, he winks it. Yeah, there's a sort of a winking, yeah. sort of a look at the end of the movie to yeah. show that. Um, but yes, he's either gay or or, or just. Very effeminate. Uh, yes. Yes. To, anyway, to use an outdated word, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a dandy. He's a no, dandy. Dan- Can we say that? I, I don't suppose. Know. A da- I mean, I it works know. in the context Whatever. of the movie. He's That's a, true. He's a bit dandyish. That's true. He's a bit foppish. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's other also not, of course, brutal. He's never killed anyone. He just no. pretends to. He's, that reputation is something that he spends a lot of time. Yeah. So he uh, he he brings Tristan back as his nephew. Yeah. And uh, he trains them in the ways of piracy, sword fighting, and and airship handling. I guess downloading illegal movies, movies yeah, torrent files, yes, <laughs> yeah, bootleg software, sitting in movie theaters with a VHS camera, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he he trains them on that, and they they I guess they capture lightning and store it, and they sell that as electricity. Yeah. So they go to the little. Uh, market to sell it to Ricky Gervais. Yes. Can I say how much I hate Ricky Gervais? He's divisive. He, Let's say that. I mean, I like Ricky Gervais in The Office. I like him in, yeah, very specific in extras contexts. he was very good in. Yeah, well, extras was very funny. Yes, but the, the, when Ricky Gervais is being Ricky Gervais, I just want to punch him in the face. He has an effect on a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I think that's... I think he he enjoys that being his his effect. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's do he's not he's not doing it without purpose. He's that's definitely what he's going for. Yeah, um, improv. He he's improvising a la Robin Williams throughout this entire yeah. se- segment. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, uh, the witch also happens to follow up on it as mm-hmm. well. 
and uh, she silences. It makes him sound like a monkey. Oh, is that yeah? Oh, that's right. Now the question is: Is this before or after she, the uh, Michelle Pfeiffer beats up with the other witch, the one who who has Una? Oh, that's a good question. But I, yeah, I know that that happens. I think that's actually pretty early on. Like, yeah, I she think meets that's up before a... even the end. Oh, is it? Okay. Scene. Yeah. So she meets up with the the witch from the beginning of the movie who has um, that slave girl tied mm-hmm. up, and. Uh, She's a witch too, and so when Michelle Pfeiffer, she uses a special potion on Michelle Pfeiffer to tell the truth and finds out that there's a fallen star, mm-hmm. um, Michelle Pfeiffer gets pissed off and puts an enchantment on her so she can't see the star. Even right. if it's right in front of her, she'll never be able to see it. Right. That's important for later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Michelle Pfeiffer, okay, back to where they're at the... the <laughs> it's a very complicated movie. We also saw it like a week and a half, half ago, ago. Yes. so we're trying to remember it. We got a little bit delayed. In our recording. Yes. So they're at the marketplace. And Tristan realizes that he's in love with uh, Yvain. Uh mm-hmm. He wants, like, and so he realizes that the whole thing with Sienna Miller's character, he doesn't want her. So he takes a lock of her hair, and he's going to go back over the wall, give her the lock of hair, and say, like, hey, look, this is for you. I'm in love with this girl instead. Right. You know, he's going to profess his love for Yvain. And of course, and this is where it gets all like romantic comedy where he doesn't bother to tell her this. Yeah, right. <laughs> he tells the like a guy downstairs and leaves the message that he's gone. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, tell to... this girl that I love her. Uh, I got to go for just a second. I'll be back. And <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, obviously it gets misconstrued. So when she comes down, like, where did he go? He's like, oh, he left to to go and, you know, meet his true love or whatever like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like to, to profess his true love or something like that. And yeah. she's like, oh, all right. <laughs> and then uh, Chrissy comes in and Jack has to pretend that he's <laughs> he's gay for Mr. Furley. Yeah. Not gay for Mr. Furley, but he has to pretend to be gay for Mr. Furley. So or, that, yeah. or both. It could <laughs> yeah, be both. <laughs> Why not? Well, wait, if you're in love with a vine, well, then why are you going to say Sienna Miller? <laughs> um, so he he gets a ride from the witch from earlier in the in the covered wagon. Um, you know, he wants to get a ride yeah. back over the wall. Right. Um, she promises that she'll take him, but she turns him into a mouse first. <laughs> Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. Which this is happens. Yeah. This happens in the movie. Yes, and she professes her love for him, yes. but in mouse form, in thinking mouse form. that he can't. Yeah, because when the, what, uh, he understand him, but uh, it turns out he can't. Yes. Um. So, so um. Yeah. So Evane is is you know kind of uh, all over the place in this part. Um. Fast forward to close to the end of the movie. Um. He's he's about to go over the wall with the, with the lock of hair. And uh, as he goes over the wall, the hair turns into stardust. Yeah, he, well, he gets to Sienna Miller, yes. and he goes to pull it out. Or he gives it to her, Yeah, and he's having a little, he's like, has sort oh, yeah, of a, he has a sword show fight. off. Not even a fight, but he just shows off like, I'm cool now, and I can do sword things <laughs> I have now. a cutlass. I'm not a wiener anymore yeah. uh, to, to Henry Cavill. And he yeah. goes, oh, well, then I guess we don't have to fight, because you'll probably beat me up. So never mind. <laughs> And he's like, I don't really want uh, your girlfriend anymore yeah. anyway, so it's actually fine. We don't need to fight. And then she looks, and she's like, why did you give me this handful of dust? Crap. Yeah. Crappity crap. And he goes, crap. And he goes, crappity crap. She can't go over the wall because she'll turn into this this stuff. So uh, I got to go. <laughs> I got a book. I, I got to go running back over here. 
Why do you live so far from the wall? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he runs back. She's just about to cross, but she gets stopped by uh, by his mom, I think. Yeah, Una right? stops him. That's, yeah. that's her name, Una. Una, okay. Yeah. Um, she stops her. Yeah. Yes. But then, of course, the witch comes. You know, yeah, uh, they all sort of converge, converge. right there. Yes. Um, and, including, including, I believe, Mark Strong, Strong who's, who's been there. kind of following along yes, as and, well. He's, he's sort the, of one step behind. Yeah, he's the last remaining also. brother. So he, But he actually wants the... Um, heart he of the star the stone yeah well you know he wants the heart of the star because he'll get he'll become immortal <gasps> oh, that's right if yeah. he right if he wins uh you know if he gets the stone and the heart then he becomes king and he's immortal he'll be immortal he'll be yeah so it's, so that way we learn that mark strong is, is is sort of a villain too i mean it's like weird like so many villains villainous twist at the end so they go to the castle to fight the witches big fight scene ensues um and uh Eventually, Daredevil and the Star and, and Vane win win the day through the help of Una, and it turns out that Charlie Cox is actually Una's son from earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, she, it turns out she's the princess. She's Mark Strong's sister. Right. So now that and Mark Strong is killed in the in the, in the battle. Yeah, he gets killed by the witches, yeah. and then he's sitting there as a ghost, and they're all like, "Well, what now?" Because it's explicitly said in the beginning that only a male. <laughs> Can inherit the kingdom yes. because they are a you know a backwards misogynist monarchy. It's patrilineal. I mean, it's like it's a monarchy, so it's backwards anyway. That's, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyway, when you inherit power because you're born, it's not quite a great way of having a government. Yeah, then again, not. we have the electoral system. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so they're sitting there like, well, now what? And they're like, I guess we're stuck like this because there will never be a king. Yeah. And then they're like, well, wait, there is a living male descendant. <laughs> wait, he's right I, here. I discovered, I discovered some more lines on the parchment. <laughs> it says here, yeah, there's another male there. <laughs> wait, there's more space dust on this. <laughs> there's nothing in the rule book that says a tiger can't inherit the kingdom. <laughs> so... Uh, so Tristan inherits the kingdom because he's Una's son. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course we get this great scene at the end where, uh, Tristan's father is reunited with Una and, you know, Tristan marries Yvain and they rule the kingdom for, you know, 80 years and yeah. then they go to the stars and live out the rest of their lives as stars. Yeah. Yay. It's very nice. That's one lie too many, my son. cabin and mark my words anyone who disturbs me for the next few hours will get the same treatment what you no you idiot i'll swing you over the side as well oh yeah captain's busy so should you be turn there wench All right, so production notes. Mm. Um, so this movie was um, 
they they were trying to get this made back in the late nineties. Um, just a a little bit of a recap on on the actual book itself. This is kind of a cheat because it's not technically a comic book. It was released in comic book form. Um, Charles Vest and Neil Gaiman and Neil Gaiman wrote it. Charles Vest did the artwork for it, but it's actually kind of like. A, an illustrated novel. Um, there'd be like a page of text and a picture, a page of text and a picture. It's kind of like a picture book, but it was released in comic book form, which is why I'm kind of like, eh, let's just do it anyway. Sure. Um, so they tried to get the option made in the um, late 90s. There was um, two people interested. There was um, Matthew Vaughn and uh, um, Terry Gilliam. Oh, Both sure. were interested. Gilliam mm-hmm. dropped out of the project after Brothers Grimm uh, did terribly. Yeah, and that was a terrible movie. So mm. I understand it was problematic. Marked the beginning of Terry Gilliam's downslide into awfulness. <laughs> uh, really, have you seen his last few movies? They've been terrible. Mm. I mean, like I don't know if I have. I'm not sure. I know what his last few movies were. Uh, he did that the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Oh yeah, you can't blame all of that on him because mm. you know. Um, and then there was like oh, the Zero Theorem was yeah. his most recent one with uh, Christoph Waltz. I didn't see that either. Um, yeah, and then uh, so Matthew Vaughn actually was not he he uh, he was not able to get it made. Um, dropped out. So then Neil Gaiman didn't feel comfortable with anyone else because Neil Gaiman actually owns the rights to Stardust, the, mm. which is very unusual. But Neil Gaiman has enough pull in the comic book world where he can do stuff like that. Sure. Um, so he. Uh, after Vaughn dropped out, it was a few years, then Vaughn came back into the project, and Neil Gaiman was cool with it. He's like, let's do this. And so they were able to get it done. Um, they So it was it was kind of always going to be Matthew Vaughn mm-hmm. as the director. That was like always kind of the, the thing for it, which is kind of unusual, but Neil Gaiman kind of works like that. He's always going to pick what he, he wants it done how he wants it done. Yeah. Uh, Casting-wise, the Charlie Cox, who was relative unknown at the time, you know, we all know him now from Daredevil, but he, uh, he, I didn't even realize that he was in Stardust until I rewatched Stardust. I was like, oh, that's Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't know either. It was, it was actually interesting. I was listening to, I went after I watched we, uh, this movie. Uh, after I watched the movie, I went back and I listened to um, an old episode of uh, Film Spotting where they talked about this i was curious if they even talked about it because i wasn't listening to it back in 07 but they did and that episode had part of an interview um that they did with matthew vaughn um about the movie and so there was a little bit of um things that you could say and he had a a part where he was kind of talking about wanting to cast an unknown as the lead because he's like you know because he wanted you to not have any set expectations on like what he could do um because he's like if you get you know orlando bloom and they're like you know he's oh he's got like he's bumbling and nerdy and then he you know he he takes off his glasses and it's like oh of course he's a you know swashbuckling adonis now (laughs) oh you know of course he is like he was always going to do that of course it's elizabeth town's orlando bloom you didn't have to have him like that (laughs) right so so he wanted somebody that that could kind of get away with that which is true and and the only way the studio was going to allow that to happen was the fact that he cast so many big names in this i mean you have de niro michelle pfeiffer um you know uh, claire danes who's not a huge name but i mean like people know claire danes especially people our age yeah um you know uh 
it, you have like in the cameos by you know Ricky Gervais and mm-hmm. you know you have Mark Strong who's not who wasn't like a very well known actor at the time. I mean he's he's always kind of been around. You yeah, know, you know uh, Peter O'Toole in it, so I, the studio right. kind of relented on that. The movie didn't do well at the American box office. It did all right. Mm-hmm. It, it it made uh, I think like thirty million dollars, uh, sixty million dollars, something like that. I remember it was marketed very poorly. Like very the trailers poorly. looked terrible um, for it. Like it was never clear what this movie was. Because I think it was, I don't know if it was marketed as, because this is after, obviously after Lord of the Rings yeah. came and went, but it was also after like Chronicles of Narnia, and I think and people parts of were the Caribbean like, and stuff like that. And I think people were like, oh, is it another like thing I got to watch like four of? You know, like because <laughs> this is going to be like a whole. This is a whole series of yeah. books that I and, and but these are ones that you've never heard of. It's not Lord of the Rings. It's not The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's you know, it's no one, you know, it was very obscure. Yeah. So it was like, no one's going to just, it sort of like what they tried and failed to do with like the golden compass where it was like, no one had any idea what was going on with those. Like, unless you've read it, uh, the, it's the most confusing movie in the world. That And it's like a weird, yeah, the golden compass had a, t- a ton more problems than Stardust. <laughs> it oh, lets, sure, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it was marketed that yeah. way, and I think people were just like, oh, I don't know what that is, and I'm not going to bother. And I don't know what else was kind of going on at the time, like when it came out. Yeah. So, but that was a I busy year I think Rush Hour 3 was actually, <laughs> I think that Rush Hour 3 was like the top box office performer at that time. It was a busy year, especially at the end of the year. I think this came out in the summer, so I don't know what that summer looked like, but uh, I remember, I mean, I, that was a big, big yeah. movie year, a lot of big heavy yeah movie, you know no country for old men and all that kind of stuff <laughs> like at the end of the year it was like a huge you know movie there year. will be blood it, well exactly yeah those were kind of the two but anyway that was obviously later yeah um i have an interesting thing to add as well just because uh, i listened to that interview and all of this is just me regurgitating what uh, matthew vaughn said but you'd be interested to know that the, he asked uh the host asked about uh a sequel yeah. Like, are there plans for the sequel? And he said, you know, obviously it depends on if the movie does well. <laughs> of course, we know that it did okay, but not well enough that they did a sequel. Um, they had an idea for a sequel, and they shot an epilogue where th- uh, Tristan is sitting there. You know, he's old now, and he's he's like Peter O'Toole on his deathbed, and he is looking at his sons and daughters, and he says the same thing. He's like... Now, whoever, it's the same thing, the same stone. And he says, whoever can go get the stone. Same story, but he throws it. And now, of course, it lands on the other side of the wall. So it lands in, but it would be now, it's like 1960s London. (laughs) Ooh. So they were going to jump forward and they were going to have these fantasy, you know, the characters from the fantasy world. They go over the wall. In 60s, you know, crazy, hippie. Yeah. They throw the the thing over the wall and as they go past the wall, they hear like, incense (laughs) 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 Mods are riding her by on Vespas with, you know. Why does everyone look like Austin Powers? (laughs) All those, you know, everybody's got the same haircuts. Yeah. That would have been, I, I would have liked it. But. So that was their idea. They were going to leave yeah. it open for that, but that ended up uh, getting cut, and then they never made the sequel. Actually, that doesn't sound like it would be that great of a movie, but... <laughs> he was also um, interested. He was uh, in the talks for doing one of the early X-Men movies, um, and that didn't end up working out, but he really wanted to do an X-Men movie. And, of course, 
he will go on to do an X-Men movie. I I think it was like a couple of other comic book movies too. Um, the, (laughs) yeah, the, the, the novel and the movie actually deviates from the novel. Not quite that much. I mean, there's not, there's, there are some differences. The main difference is the ending. Cause in this one you have the happy, they go up in the stars and they live together, uh, you know, forever up in the stars. And the book ends in a very kind of like fable-ish sort of like almost Tolkien-esque thing where it's like, uh, Tristan lives and then it lives with Yvain, and then he dies, and then Yvain uh, rules. You know, is this a moral ruler sure. of the kingdom without her husband? And okay. it's like it's like one of those like better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all kind yeah. of endings. So it's a little darker <laughs> that sure. way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't leave a lot of room for a sequel in in anything. No, definitely not. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the the bigger uh, like weirder parallel and one of the weirder things with this is that it could have been marketed as like this really fun romantic comedy adventure in the vein of princess bride which is what you know what you said to me princess bride is definitely the point of reference for this i didn't see this movie when it came out this was my first time seeing it and a peter falkless princess bride yeah he was still alive at the time he could could have have done he could have narrated this thing (laughs) listen i'm gonna tell you the story of the (laughs) Oh, this thing called Stardust. <laughs> Just shit here. Just shut up. I'm going to tell you the story of Stardust. <laughs> oh, Grandpa, I don't want to hear about this stupid Stardust again. <laughs> shut up. You already had your successful TV show. I had my successful TV show. We're going to do this. Grandpa, you smell like cigars and whiskey. <laughs> it's called smelling like a man. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that that's the point of reference for this movie. Is it's right. like, and also you you brought up uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It has a very Pirates of the Caribbean I mean, sort this of is, feel to it. Also, I, this is Princess Bride for the newer generation. I mean, Princess Bride came out in what was it eighty six, eighty seven? Sounds right. Um, it was, and it's it's told very much the same way. It's like uh, the story of this guy seeking out his true love and mm-hmm. through the many misadventures. Um, with Chris Sarandon, uh, and right. this one has, but this is like that through the filter of post Lord of the Rings, yeah. post Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. This like now we can do these big budget blockbusters, mm-hmm. and we have all this CG technology and all of this fun stuff. Let's see what we can do with romantic fantasy comedy through that vein. Yeah, uh, and. and I think it works. Yeah, I I mostly like it. I think my biggest problem with the movie is that I didn't find that Charlie Cox and Claire Danes actually had any chemistry <laughs> on screen. So when they're standing there talking about how much they love each other, I was like, that's neat. <laughs> Good for them. Like, I just, I never, you know, you never really were invested at all in that story. And, uh, you know... Now, that's problematic because it's so, like... It hinges on that. From, well, from scene one, I mean, you know he's not going to end up with Sienna Miller. No. Like, it's very clear that that's not what's going to happen. And you know he's going to end up, you know, somehow end up with, with Claire Dane. So that's never 
yeah. really called into question. So you've got to want to just see them get there. Yeah. And you kind of just don't. I didn't really well, care. Yeah. I mean, the pro- <laughs> the, pro- the problem was, was that a lot of the early scenes we were supposed to be developing that love interest. It's like they're in the forest kind of just walking very Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. And it's like that's where they're supposed to kind of like, you know, fall in love a little bit. And like, yeah, that's where you get a lot of the stuff on the pirate ship. Yeah, and, like that's where it kind of starts developing, but by then it's like a little too late. Yeah, it's it's no, it's not really their faults. It's just they didn't have it. Like yeah. they're and, both and individually they, fine. And if in you the read, roles. if you read the notes on the actual production, it's like the reason, like Matthew Vaughn held back on saying that Claire Danes and Charlie Cox are going to be the main actors because he wanted to make sure they had chemistry together. Yeah, and so then it comes out on screen. And it's like I just didn't find they, that they did. I, I mean, didn't. I didn't think they were awful together. It's no. not like you couldn't believe that they were together, like like George Clooney and Catherine Zeta Jones in Intolerable Cruelty. But <laughs> they had some chemistry. It just wasn't enough. And I, I think that might have been script problems. It might have been acting choices. I'm not quite sure on that. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't buy it. I was. I was more. Um, it gets a little saggy in certain parts. I was going um, to talk about the the, the pacing was kind yeah. of my my issue with it. Mm-hmm. It was it it just it felt too like yeah it felt like a little too saggy. Like there was like they sat around in certain scenes maybe just a little too long. Like the scene in the inn was a little too long. The ex- scenes yes. on the ship were a little too long. Like you were just like okay we're ready to kind of move on to the new place. Yeah you you're. <laughs> The action scenes were fine, but it's just like you have to – those slow scenes, you either have to develop character or you have to develop mood. And they didn't really do a good job on either front. I mean, they did, but it wasn't like – it didn't take it to the next level that it could have made it a great movie where you have like the end. You need to de- develop this sense of – impending danger for Evane. But it's so early in the... It was like midway through the movie that you don't really feel the danger because there's no... She's not going to die because what's going to happen for the rest of the movie? Yeah. Yeah, right. And I'm I'm kind of... I mean, I'm kind of okay with that. Like, that could have been more interesting because you had those stories kind of converging all of a sudden. Um, And that would have been fine, but... Yeah, it was just they weren't even in the same room really much. And yeah. it was it all just felt like all these nothing really yeah, there, mattered it was, that was going on. It in didn't that that's scene. exactly it. It didn't matter because you didn't that's what I'm saying. It could have developed like really interesting character stuff. Like we could have found out more about Michelle Pfeiffer or learned to fear Michelle Pfeiffer a little bit more. Um Well, she does murder the guy. She does, but I mean like you knew he was going <laughs> so, to die. Yeah. And then uh and that yeah, you have this like you're kind of just like oh, we could have gotten some like fear or some some impending yeah. doom or something like that, or we could have developed like the the more of how much Tristan does care about her, it, and it's more of like oh crap, I gotta save her. Yeah, crappy like, crap, crappy crap, I gotta <laughs> save her. I'm like eh, let's 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 develop this a little bit more. Come on, guys. And the pirate ship is the same way. I mean, it's fun to have De Niro playing against type which is all de niro does nowadays yeah yeah um but yeah i especially like it when uh you know he's talking it's like you know you hear shakespeare you think of this you know great playwright and my guy shakes the spear you know it's like oh that's kind of clever i, I kind of <laughs> like that you know and it turns out that he's he's foppish and 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 a, yeah. and a dandy 
And I mean, that's you got all these other words that we don't use enough. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's why his, his crew is like, it's all right, Cap. And when they they bust in on him and he's like wearing a dress, and they're like, yeah. it's it's okay. We we always knew. <laughs> it's, it's it's a good scene. It's not, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you have you need the scenes on the pirate ship to develop the love, mm-hmm. and it it kind of just rushes through it. You know, there's yeah. no like develop. There's no blossoming of the love. Yeah, that's going on there. What do you think of just the the world? I guess sort of the the rules of the world and sort of the magic and everything that kind of happens. I liked it. I I liked certain things. I liked that it it didn't. There was no Deus Ex Machina in it. Like there was everything was kind of like yeah. Other than like I mean little things like the candles and but, stuff like that. But though, but they were always just tools to yeah, be used. They were they were they were written into the plot as specific tools that you knew were going to have specific purposes. And it's not like they just came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was shown at the beginning like this candle is going to do this, <laughs> right? And so they use that candle to do that, and that's yeah. that's good fantasy. Chekhov's magic candle. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's not like they were at the end and she was like, oh, that's a magic candle. Over there, let's use it. You know, yes, like that's exactly. the, that's a different part. You know, yeah. that's that's different. I, I like it when fantasy worlds play within their rules, and they and the Gaiman does really does really well with that. He never really. It's a hard thing to do well, um, and especially for me, I think I'm I'm sort of overly maybe critical of of that sometimes because like to to go back to um, because this is the only time anyone ever talks about it anymore. Um, the Golden Compass, the that was where. I remember sitting there and watching that movie and just being like, it was so unfamiliar because it was, it was so, it had such unique rules. Like Lord of the Rings has a lot of that where like, because it's so old and because it was so successful, like a lot of what he wrote and a lot of what he relied on to sort of build what he put together, um, the way you know the relationships with elves and dwarves and how all of that works you can kind of go okay like it's like it's all like you understood it the golden compass was just like and then there's polar bears and you're (laughs) like i have absolutely no idea what's going on it was very very different and unfamiliar this walked up to that line a little bit like with the things with the candles and the flowers and some of that stuff like it was very it was a lot all at once but it was fun enough where to what you were saying before about how it's just very like you have to just take it and go okay so that's how that works yeah fine like yeah. she's yeah. you know there's a scene where she, when Michelle Pfeiffer meets the witch and the slave is all of a sudden a bird yeah and then she turns back into a woman and then she turns back into a bird and it's never mentioned yeah she's never like oh Oh, that was okay. Well, you so know that she bird is, is a slight. She like, is, yeah. She may, she well, she has like the ability to change people into animals, which comes into play later when she transforms them into the mouse. Yeah, you know, that's, it's like it's not nothing, and it's right. not like it's that plot important wise. Mm-hmm. It's just it's something that you know works in that world that yeah. way. It's never, and that's what I don't. I don't like. There, there's a couple pretty egregious examples, and I can't think of any right now. Pirates of the Caribbean, which is another one we mentioned before, has a lot of those where it's just like, oh, well, this does this. And you're just like... Yeah, as that got... I mean, the first one's a, a movie that I really like still. Oh, it's, it's, um, a, it's a wonderful movie. Yeah, I like the first one a lot. And that one really just dabbles in magic. I mean, the, yeah. the only thing that's really magic is the concept of the 
ghost the, pirates well yeah i mean of the curse yeah and that's it <laughs> like pirates? that's the that's the only thing everything else is otherwise you know this heightened version of you know just our world um and then the sequel starts to get into nonsense. Well, the sequel goes into world building, which is not something that you can just do. You have to, like, really think of the world and develop <laughs> a world, which is kind of, which is, there's there's the two things. There's the light fantasy and there's the heavy, like, high fantasy. Right. Where it's, like, high fantasy is, like, you have an entire, there's, like, entire websites dedicated to building fantasy worlds. Like, the people go into it, they... They're like, well, this can't exist on this map because of te- plate tectonics and the mountain range wouldn't exist like this. And, Ugh. you know, things like people get really into it. Like, like people get mad at George R. R. Martin for not explaining why uh, Westeros has seasons like it does. And he's like, it's magic. And they're like, yeah. you can't say that. <laughs> I love that he does, though. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, I think it's. I'm, I'm but I'm, I'm good with that. Like, Anytime I can you see something like that. A wizard did it <laughs> exactly. And I think this movie, I think Gaiman does a really good job with setting the rules and then showing the rules, but not having the rules be like game breakers. There's nothing that happens in this movie that where it the plot hinges so deeply on the magic that if that magic didn't exist, the plot wouldn't end up as it does. Yeah, at its core, it's a very straight forward story it's a fable for, for fantasy right yeah. or for or for a fable like it's very like all that stuff is recognizable like the king and the kingdom and yeah the true love and all of that well, like that's he, all like the star thing is really the probably the weirdest part of it that's why but but once it's kind of explained away is just like yeah, what of do you course. Think, what do you think's yeah. up there? <laughs> yeah, what do you what do you think I was doing? Being a star? Oh, uh, what do you think I was? Right. A big ball of gas up in the? <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. Charlie Cox seems very okay with it, and we're kind of like, all right, I'm not gonna get hung up on that. And I'm no. not gonna be like, well, that makes no sense. Um, <laughs> She's so, millions yeah. of light years away. How could a Roby hit her? <laughs> so all the littler things like that are just kind of like, okay, like that's just like a weird little yeah thing of the world, you know? Yeah, and I I actually I kind of want to pray. Vaughn's directing on it. I think it's a very nicely shot movie. Yes, I think that it's framed very well. It looks I think, good. I, yeah, it. The I effects think, are good too. The effects hold up. We yeah. we can be very. I mean, this is almost ten years old. We can be very critical. Yeah. Um, and I, of effects sometimes, but I think everything looked fine. And I think he, the only thing I wish he did a little bit better was scope. Like he tends to pull in a little bit more when you should be seeing like, these grand vistas. And you're kind of like, yeah. you kind of wish that it had a little bit more of an epic feel to it. There was a little bit of that. And yeah, I wonder, bit. I just don't know kind of where this was shot and, yeah. and how much money I think the Isle of Man, I think, is where it was shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you'd think there'd be a bit more wide stuff, yeah, but uh, I don't know who. That's, yeah, that's like, there was not enough wide shots. And yeah. especially you could do that with like some CG stuff. You could have like, when the sky, when the ship is sailing in the skies, like you could, you could benefit from having... A better yeah. frame shot of that, mm-hmm. and it would give it a much more epic feel, which I think is what this movie's missing. It's like it's an epic story, but it's told very small, which is not terrible. No, and I and I actually I think that was a benefit. Um, yeah, but I I agree that that doesn't necessarily like exclude having sort of a bigger sense of where they are and and you know how small they really are in relation to to everything kind of going on yeah i mean like like, i don't really i never got much of a sense of like how big this kingdom was exactly like beyond like 
oh, the walls over there. And this, like- is, some, this is something I'm going to talk about in a little bit more, but I just came from Rogue One uh, yesterday. I saw it. And Rogue One, the, the I think it's Gareth Edwards who directed mm-hmm. that. He did a very good job of showing how epic everything is in this story, but yet telling a very small story. So okay, you get sure. these fantastic shots of these planets in this and these cities and the you know these fallen monuments and you're like this is huge this is epic in scope but yet it's a small story inside of this much larger world and i think that's kind of what it's missing a little bit yeah So um, some, we're going to do our, our top three, our pick three. Yeah. We're going to do our something that we always joke about on this on this podcast. We talk infinitely too much about Bobby De Niro. Too so, much. So, Kevin, we decided today that we're going to do our top three non-Goodfellas Robert De Niro movies. Yes, because, of <laughs> course, we would agree that number one is Goodfellas, Goodfellas. So we don't need to heap any more praise on Goodfellas. We've talked about it several times. <laughs> Probably every episode we've ever done, and everyone is sick of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so I- I'll go first. My number three is a uh, a movie that I've t- I've talked about before, and I I quite like it. Um, I d- I don't know if you've seen it recently, but it's the remake of Cape Fear. You know, I actually saw it for the first time recently, like possibly this year, either this year or last year. I somehow had never seen it. Um, he plays, of course, Max Caddy. Um. That that's his name, right? Max Caddy, Katie. Katie I want to say it's pronounced, yeah. but yes. Um, this Very this odd. the killer who is uh, prosecuted by um, who, who is it? The movie? Why can't I, I see his name? I, I the guy from Prince of Tide, Nick Nolte. Yeah, right. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> and he stalks his family. You know, it's a remake of of Night of the Hunter with uh, Robert Mitchum. Well, it's a remake of the original with Robert Mitchum. Mitchum. Yeah, that's the original yeah. Cape Fear. The ori- that's not I know. Yes. <laughs> but it's right. Same actor. Similar yeah. concept. Similar concept with love and hate on the knuckles. He's just De Niro's terrifying in that movie. And it's like one of his last really great, like strong, tough guy roles, uh, which De Niro is always known for being the, the, you know, the tough guy. You know, like you're not going to mess with Rob- with Bobby D. And that's a movie where you're just terrified by him. Um I, I don't know much more that I could say about it. Um, with the, uh, that was interesting. I, I saw it, like I said, for the first time. I don't know how I'd never seen it, because I saw the original a long time ago. And I don't know. I, it was one of those where I just, I'd never gotten to it. And then the Simpsons episode, Cape, Cape Fear, Fear, with the E in the end, is, yeah. And I actually also have to correct you, because the love and hate thing uh, on the Knuckles is from the Night of the Hunter. So oh, that's from Night of the Hunter. Okay. <laughs> just so, conflating, maybe that's what, yeah, conflating yeah. those two movies. Okay, good. Uh, Night of the Hunter is a far superior movie to the original uh, Cape Fear. Yeah. Um, and I would probably say to the remake of Cape Fear. It was very interesting, and it's super weird at the end when they're on the boat. Oh, yeah. 
and it's just and he's going at like that's when he's his most terrifying well yes. no he's praises that's when he's his most like dangerous but he's his most terrifying when he's got the daughter in the oh, theater yeah. at the school oh yeah it's... and they're having just the creepiest scene oh. in the world i mean there's there's so many great like I, I we the simpsons one it's like that simpsons parody is so spot on of like all of the wonderful things about the movie cape fear um, the the scene in the theater with the cigar and the you know the yeah. tattoos like exercising in prison and and the the, the tying underneath the underneath the car you know it's like I, I did <laughs> die Bart die no yeah. it's the Bart <laughs> right D. no one no. Who speaks German could be evil <laughs> anyway anyway what's your number three uh my number three is we may have some overlap on this just so I, I have a feeling that we will but my number three is uh. Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. All right, that was my. That's my number. Uh, that's my number two. So that's your number two. So okay. yeah. So we can talk about that together. Um, I always kind of, you know, that's one that like I rewatch every couple of years. And I said earlier that um, you know, I sometimes have a hard time sort of remembering movies. Like unless I watch a movie multiple times or it's a movie that I just really really love I often have a hard time kind of remembering really specific details and part of that is just I watch a lot of movies um, so it's sometimes you know I just don't remember and so Jackie Brown is one that I think the first several times I saw it I was it was either probably really late at night or I was drinking or both <laughs> um, you know it was one that I would just put on and be like I'm gonna watch Jackie Brown and I'd watch it and then like Months would go by, and I'm like, I don't really remember Jackie Brown all that well. Jackie- so it's funny because it is a movie that, like, I'll rewatch every couple of years and be like, I love this movie, and I don't remember a lot of this. Ja- the, re- the reason why Jackie Brown is a wonderful movie that's kind of not memorable is because Tarantino didn't write it really. I mean, he wrote the screenplay, but he didn't. It's not his original story. It's you know, it's uh, um, what's his face? It's based off Rum Punch by um. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who did Justified. <laughs> Why can't I think of his name? Uh, Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard. Yep. You know, it's it's done by Elmore Leonard, and it's it's not quite the the same. I mean, Tarantino took a lot of liberties with it. Sure, Ta- uh, he made it. His De Niro own, has a has a very small role in the movie. You know, he play, basically plays a stoner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he plays a. I mean, he's memorable enough in it that, that you like, know that you remember that De Niro's yeah, in it. He's yeah, he's a key. I mean, I think he's a key. You know, because he has the those scenes with uh, Bridget Fonda. Uh, yeah, where you know, and Sam Jackson, and, yeah, right, yeah. and Samuel J. And they're kind of having that sort of weird. But right, it's obviously it's not his story. He's yeah. certainly not the lead. No, and but it, it's and, more and, than a cameo, I would say. Yeah, like, and there's there's so many better memorable performances in there mm-hmm. that it's like De Niro is just happens to be a schlub in a very very well acted, well written movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean. It, that some of those scenes in that movie are just unbelievable. And if you're a Tarantino fan, and a lot of people who are Tarantino fans don't like Jackie Brown that much. And I think it's because it's because he didn't, it's not his original story, Maybe, but it's like, this is what Tarantino would be like if they would just rein him in a tiny bit. He would produce these wonderful, excellently made films that are not, you know, hyper-violent, well, I mean, it's a hyper-violent movie, but it's not like Tarantino hyper-violence. It's, right. It's very subdued, and it's a very... And it's also Tarantino being like, I love Jackie Brown movies. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Brown movies. I love Pam Greer movies. Yeah. Uh, I really want to work with her. She would be perfect in this, and I really 
he just really wants to. He and, probably. And you know. Elmore Leonard was like, you know, Jackie Brown wasn't black in the book, right? <laughs> and Tarantino's like, well, you see, I just had this idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> what I'm trying to explain is the complex <laughs> mysteries of life. Um, so what's your number two? Because that was my number two. So my number two is uh, a movie that uh, we've probably actually I think I talked about it because I put it on another list at some point and I don't remember what list it was. Um, but I remember talking about it before, and that's Taxi Driver. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I knew Taxi Driver was gonna be on your list. Yeah, um, it's not one of my favorites, but I and I but I appreciate why people like Taxi. If, it's too it's too much for me. It's a great. <laughs> it's it it's primarily uh, De Niro's performance. I mean, I think. Oh, it's a hundred percent De Niro's performance. I, I, yeah, it's not really much to do with the movie it's kind of like pacino and uh, dog day afternoon like the movie itself is fine yeah but that performance makes that movie oh incredible yeah um and i think that's it's the same thing it's like you just want to watch him yeah and you're just blown away by the fact that you're even rooting for this guy yeah because he's a madman, and like um, and even the "Are you talking to me?" scene, yeah. which everyone knows, that's like not even the best part of that movie. No, and that scene is like four seconds long. Like yeah. it's not <laughs> not even a big scene necessarily, but yeah. it's such a it's one of those things that's become such a memorable moment. Um, and that's such a like part of if you're really into movies, like obviously that's a movie that you have to get to. Like that's that's a key movie in. You know that everyone Film history, watches. Yeah, it's like the turning um, point of of cinema of the of yeah. the nineteen seventies. Um, and early Scorsese, I early mean, Scorsese. What yeah. are you going to do? So and, and Jodie Foster. It's just it's it's too much for me. I can't. It's a lot. It's one of those movies that I I've seen it probably two or three times, and I'm not really in a big hurry to see it again. I know I will. Uh, someday well, I'll probably watch it again. You're having a kid, so of course you're going to sit him down one day and be like, "We're going to watch Taxi Driver." Wa- it's it all starts here, kid. <laughs> Dad, no. Dad, I'm only eight. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I was nine the first time I saw a Taxi Driver. My wife's upstairs going, "No, you weren't." <laughs> There's no way that's true. I'm like, well, I should have been. <laughs> Listen, if my father had an appreciation for cinema, he would have sat me down at eight to watch Taxi Driver instead of fishing shows. Yeah, no, it was it's it's a great movie, and it's it's just it's much it's too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one is so like uh, Al Pacino, as you said, Al Pacino had a fine line between when he was a great actor and when he did Scarface. Yeah, um, Robert De Niro had that as well. Uh, Robert De Niro had that fine line when he was a great actor in the 1980s, and then he did the movie The Untouchables. Yeah. Where he plays Al Capone. Yeah. Um, this is where De Niro becomes just a insane human being. I love his performance in this sure. movie. Sure. The movie itself is, I think, it's De Palma. Yeah. It's, uh, it was early 90s, was it 1991? Something like yeah. let, me, let me look at it. I, I want to say it was nineteen. It, it was eighty-seven. Wow. Oh, really? Um, it was. Oh, early. It was. Oh, that's right. Because we talked about it on our. I thought it was nineties too. Because I know it came up on one of our lists before. I put it on my list because I think we did our favorite movies of eighty-seven. Oh, favorite movies for whatever reason for whatever movie we watched that was that came out in eighty-seven. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it, it's not a fantastic movie. It has a couple memorable performances. I think it's a fantastic movie. Ke- Kevin, I think so. Okay. Well, okay. Kevin, it's a very well directed movie. 
Kevin Costner, of course, playing Elliot Ness. Uh, yeah, it's very, Palma's probably most like accessible, accessible, yeah. normal, least super weird. Doing just like sleazy versions of Hitchcock movies, which is mostly what he did. <laughs> um, you know, Elliot Ness, Milk Toast, Elliot Ness, and everything yep. like that. And you have Sean Connery playing. <laughs> I don't even know what what Sean he's playing an Irishman he's with a just, Scottish accent. Yeah, he's just being weird. But De, uh, but Pacino Pacino but De Niro takes it to the next level of you know De Niro method actor De Niro gets the silk underwear made by like the same guy who did Capone's silk underwear with a baseball bat <laughs> and God. screaming and yelling and spitting and swearing and just a fantastic Al Capone, like exactly yeah. what you need for that movie to play the villain. Um, and of course, they get him in the courtroom, and you know he's all shocked when they bring in the new. Ju- it's yeah. so, it's so wonderful, wonderfully overacted. I rewatched that um, within the last like maybe two years. I watched it not that long ago. The one thing that really holds that movie back is is the soundtrack. It's too synth heavy. For like oh, 80s, it's more it's Morricone, yeah. and it's but it's eighties Morricone, and it's like it's not that good. No, that there's a lot of that. I I've noticed that with with a lot of that like that second half of the eighties, they were just it's why pop music was terrible um, <laughs> toward the end of the eighties too. That's when you had to start listening to you know indie rock and stuff because it was like that's where all the interesting stuff was happening. Like, like weird hardcore stuff. Like <laughs> no one wanted to listen to all the you know horrible, horrible synthesizers. It was too much. It's like Kevin, do you want to listen to the synth heavy soundtrack to uh to the Untouchables? No, man, I'm listening to REM. There's a new band out of Atlanta. Exactly. Or <laughs> Athens, Georgia. <laughs> We're gonna listen to this. What's so, your frequency, Joe? So know, much later, I know, but <laughs> No, that's, uh, but yes, if if you want, like we were talking on the last one, Barbara, all about camp. De Niro's yeah. performance is to the level of camp, but it's good camp. Yeah, yeah. No, I I love that movie, and and that's a great starting point for De Palma, and then you can start watching all of his absolutely bonkers and movies, th- and then many he- of which are awful garbage, <laughs> but me- some of which, if you're in the right headspace, if if you can get on. His frequency. I haven't watched the the documentary yet. Um, the, oh, the, uh, the new one, De yeah, Palma, that came, came out, out last yeah. year. It's on or this year. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. If you're a subscriber to that, yeah. um, but I want to I want to watch a little bit more De Palma uh, first, so yeah, I can actually like what he did, start to appreciate. Yeah, it. what he did to Pacino in '83, he did to De Niro in '87. Nice. Essentially, what happened. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so, what's your number uh, one? So, my number one is The Godfather Part Two. I, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Heat. <laughs> Heat is such an amazing time. It's so... Nobody, nobody wants to hear me talk about you know oh, wha- try to wax like philosophical at all about the Godfather Part Two. It's a great movie. You've seen it. It's wonderful. Um, you can like or dislike certain things about it, but it's, it's... a monument to cinema. Blah blah blah. <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody cares. Let's talk about Heat because that's when you get De Niro and Pacino together on screen, and it's set up like it's this mind-blowing thing and it is it's a great scene um and val kilmer's there too running around <laughs> shooting up shooting <laughs> shooting everyone he's just val kilmer running around the streets <laughs> shooting his machine gun into the air you're like what is going on what why is, is this movie three hours long what even is this movie but, but i remember but wait, hold on, just one second heat is the movie that made me hate movies longer than three hours 
Like, yeah. That movie is so long. Yeah. But it, no, it, it's, it's, got a, it's got a lot of great performances. I can it. see that. Well, that's all it is. And it's, and it's because it's Michael Mann, and you have to just kind of ride him out. We're talking about synthesizers. I watched, um, <laughs> I was watching uh, Thief not too long ago, which is, you'll appreciate uh, Thief because it's um, all, I'm trying uh, that's to, the James Con. isn't James Con? I can't, that one? I, I, I know the name, I just can't, uh, I can't picture the movie. But, but you'll but, like it because, um, Jimmy Con. You like it because uh, your joke about how Tangerine Dream does the soundtrack to everything. They do the soundtrack to Thief, and it's really goofy because it's all synthesizers, and it's it's like it's like the theme song. It, it's like the uh, the score to Risky Business. Ooh, um, through the whole movie about like a bank heist. Yeah. So you're like, none of this is working, but I'm but I love that movie anyway. Uh, yeah, heat. Yeah, Heat is so much fun. That was one that like I had to sit down, and that was I watched it a long time ago. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, I need to sit down with that one again when I have I should. three hours I, to, to kill. I haven't watched it probably since college. Because... It's just it's so dark, and I don't mean dark as in like like there's dark things happening like contextually no, it's, it's a, just it's poorly lit, lit. like it's, it's really <laughs> it's dark the, it's one of the worst lit movies ever right it's it's lit by an itty bitty book lights i think it's through most of it is it natalie portman like de niro's daughter in that i believe oh i don't know I maybe i don't remember I, it's been a long time since i seen that heat. would be really funny i remember heat because that was like a lot of cinema files like we're talking about heat like and i always thought of like the big thing was was that it was de niro and pacino on screen together it like, is. That was the big deal with it, but it's like it's actually a, a very well written movie and oh, very yeah, well shot. Oh yeah, she is in that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did. Oh. I remember that for some odd reason. It's. But yeah, that that movie is way too long. And then De Niro, I think, right afterwards did Ronin, which was another four hour epic movie that was awful. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird period for him. He was he was definitely then he did analyze this. <laughs> he's definitely doing some interesting stuff and then all of a sudden it was like let's get super goofy and do meet the fuckers. Yeah. Or uh, and, meet the parents. Was the right. One. And yeah. all the d- dozens of sequels to that. Well, I'll talk about meet the parents for just a second. <laughs> honorable mention. Honorable mention meet the parents. Then movie like Dinner, it's like such an insane it's like you know like look who's coming to dinner it's like that yeah it's that genre of movie right and it's just like what in the world was he thinking with that i mean there's he's got such great lines in there but and he 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 doesn't phone it in he de niro does phone it in on occasion sure but that was just such a a weird bizarre movie for de niro to do and then to do three other movies in that same universe the meet the fuckers universe it's just like what is going on? Why are you in this movie with Ben Stiller? It's yeah. like, this is so yeah. beneath you. <laughs> I don't well, know. It's no Dirty Grandpa. No. Or Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> Want to talk about a weird, <laughs> weird, <laughs> bat crappy crap movie. It's <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Come, it, it, of course, at, right, I, I want to talk about this. <laughs> it comes out right after... Uh, 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 Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, you know, and um, and they're like, let's do. We're gonna do, we'll do this. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, right. and it's got Kenneth Branagh as as Doctor Frankenstein and De Niro as the monster. Yes, and it's like it's a sh- it's like shot for shot from the book. 
And that book doesn't make any sense. That book is terrible. Like, why do we still read that book? It's not scary. It's it's no. Yes, it's a very my. I hate that book. My wife read it uh, actually this year. I don't like gothic literature just for the people. Not that long ago, and she was like, she liked it for the most part, but she was like, it's very clear that like none of the movies, like the classic stuff, that's the Frankenstein story now. Yeah, like based on like the Universal movies. Yeah. Um, is like the book is completely different. Yeah, and it's I hate it. I've tried. I've read that thing like three times, and I hate every. I hate. I hate it more. It's it's a short story. It's it should have been a short story, but yeah. no, it goes on for three hundred pages. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. Can you be trusted without your shackles? Let's just get this over with, shall we? We have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know how to destroy it. If you're really doing this, I want to help. Good. All right, so some news. Um, I just want to talk. I just saw Rogue One. I know you're going to see it. Go to see it tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I give it a, a very positive review. It's for every two great things it does. It does one thing that you're kind of like, ah, so, but I really, but I did really enjoy it. It was, it's a very fun Star Wars movie. There are a lot of things that I don't want to give away to you. Cause you're just going to see it. Sure. That it's kind of yeah. like, it took you out and I know immediately what you're going to text me about when you go to see it. <laughs> um, the performances in it were were pretty great. Um, it was it. It's Felicity uh, Jones, right? Or Felicity? He, uh, yeah, not Felicity Huffman. No, no. <laughs> um, she was very good in there. Um, Diego Luna was great. Um, D- it man, Donnie Yen was fantastic in that movie. Um, nice. Like he was. He was. I want to see a whole movie just of him. Um, Alan Tudyk's character of K two S O was great in it as well. Very funny performance. It felt kind of like a good mix of The Force Awakens and the original trilogy. Like, it felt like a good mesh between the two. Okay. Um, felt rushed. The first probably two-thirds of it kind of were a tiny bit uneven, but by the time it ramps into the third act, you're just like, you're along yeah. for the ride. You're like, yes, this okay. is fantastic. So that was that's kind of like the the my, my mini it's review. two hours. It, it's, a, it's a long movie, yeah. and it's... Uh, but and it shouldn't have been. And like, if this is the direction the standalone Star Wars movies go, I'm kind of along for the ride. I'm 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 I'm, I'm game for it. I'm going to be game sure. for anything that Disney's doing right now because Disney's putting out some fantastic stuff. Great popcorn. It's one of those movies that you're sitting there, you're kind of like just shoveling popcorn in your mouth, going, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say the biggest disappointment in it, though, is the fact that there is no opening crawl. I think that was a bad mistake, and I don't think they're going to do that for the other mm. movies because I think that they people want that. People want that, and it's like you really need that. Um, I also was not a huge fan of the score. Um, it's by J.J. Abrams guy. I can't Michael not Michael Giacchino. Um, it's not quite Star Warsy enough for me. Okay, um, maybe that's just because I'm too John Williams. I'm too into the John Williams. 
sound. He Maybe. does he does a good John Williams, but it's not quite John Williamsy enough. All right. Um. So other comic book news? Do I have anything? Uh, Logan's been dropping new trailers. Um. That that sort of thing. So yeah, we saw the the Spider Man trailer. The Spider Man trailer. That's there were a couple of them. Yes, actually. Um. Yeah. They lots going on in there. The Breakfast Club meets Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it looks fun. Not a lot of Michael Whatever. Keaton in there. Just a little bit, tiny yeah. bit, tiny bit of the Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. You know, whatever. It's Michael Keaton. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Spider Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer uh, also came out. Oh yeah, the new one, yeah. which is what I wanted to talk about. Um, right, Baby Groot. Baby Groot, which oh, is Baby Groot. It. I'm. I'm. I don't really think that Baby Groot is necessarily too much of a marketing ploy. I mean. It's he's not Jar Jar level unless the movie makes it terrible, right? But from the previews that we've seen, which is also um, new, introduces us to a new golden oldie, which is uh, what is it? Uh, it's a new sweet song. The sweet, right? it's sweet. Yeah. It's um, I can't remember the name of the song. It's not Ballroom Blitz. No, but it's, it's all that really matters. Yes, it's <laughs> classic sweet, which yeah. is a, an underrated psychedelic indie '60s band. Um, eh, I think they're appropriately rated. <laughs> <laughs> Probably they're, they're fine. Ballroom Blitz is a great song. It's a great song. It's but usually when, better when other people do it. Yeah, when it came out though, it's like such a like like th- like that song came out of nowhere. Like what the like if you look at the genre of the time of when Ballroom Blitz came out, nothing was sounding like that. Hmm. Yeah. But the but that yeah, it's a it's a little bit on the uh Yeah. No, it looks like it'll be fine. Yeah, I, that one's definitely going to be it's got, novel. It's like it's going to be a, a tie between who has more laugh lines, Drax or Baby Groot, because Drax is already coming out there with sure that that scene at the end of the trailer when you know he's oh like, and he's bleeding. It's, it's, that's your most embarrassing secret. <laughs> do me, do, <laughs> do me, me, do me. <laughs> um, yeah, and ba- and of course the Baby Groot. And what I really appreciated with the trailer is that as opposed to like a thousand cuts of like action sequences, you actually get like a couple like full scene not full scenes but like short snippets of scenes which is fairly interesting you know we want to see what's going on with these characters yeah i mean that was the draw in the first movie that was the only reason that that, that worked so well uh, well yeah i was like that wasn't the draw to the movie but that's why people liked that movie it was, it was <laughs> that's such true. enjoyable that's, that's what i kind of mean to yeah. say um and of course we get you know, three uh, three female characters in this one, as opposed to just the one Gamora. <laughs> we actually have Gamora. Um, yeah, supposedly it's going to be more yeah. uh, focused on on that and and her uh, relationship with Karen Gillan's character, yeah. whether they're sisters yeah. or like a half sisters, adopted, adopted sisters, sisters. I'm not entirely yeah. sure. Um, so there should be a little bit more there. Yeah. And you have Mantis. Supposedly. Mantis is the the empath at the end, who's. She's going to be a character in there as well. All right. So, it, and uh, I know you get a little bit more of also uh, Michael Rooker, which makes me happy because I love Always my Michael does. Rooker. Always does. Always makes me happy. So Stardust. Stardust. <laughs> He's a Stardust. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um what what are you, what are your final thoughts? Um you know, I I I like it. I mean, I appreciate what this movie is is doing. I think it's uh better than like it probably should have been better. I mean, I'm glad 
that we didn't get that sequel. <laughs> yeah, no, I am so, too. You know, had it done better, we would have gotten that sequel, and then we'd have to reckon with that in you our know, lives. And the but... sad thing, the sad thing is, is if it had done better, I think the sequel probably wouldn't have come out for like five or six years, and by then we would have been like, why does this have a sequel? <laughs> right, probably. Like this doesn't need <laughs> yeah. a sequel at all. Um, no, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll give it a B. I, I don't have anything really bad to say about it, but it's also not really glowing. I think I was maybe coming in at a B plus, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll temper that maybe just a slightly. There's not much of a difference between a B and a B plus anyway. I think I liked it a little bit more than you. I'm giving it an A minus. Hmm. Um, it's not, it's not great. As I said, there was things that they could have done that would have made it great. Um, and there was nothing that was unexpected that made it great. Yeah. Like, there was no, like, like this is just like a, like, if Charlie Cox's performance was so mind-blowing that you were like, oh, my God, this is the greatest movie ever. Um, there was, it was enjoyable. And I think that's, like, the best thing that you could say about it is, is that even though it's a little long and it's, the pacing's a little weird throughout it, um, I, I still enjoy it for what it is. It's a, it's a fantasy tale. It's a fantasy romance tale. It's something that you could sit down and watch with your kids and watch with your wife. And it's a good family movie. And mm-hmm. there's nothing about it that's obscene or um, like egregious. It's it's just a, a fun family movie that they don't really make anymore. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know if I said this on this podcast or, or maybe I said it on Game Classy, but they don't make these kind of like fantasy family movies anymore like where it's like something that everyone can it's like it's high-minded enough that like you appreciate it more when you're older and when you're when you're younger you don't you don't quite get it but you're just like yay swords and and dragons and stuff like that like yeah like willow or or right you know stuff like that they don't make those type of movies anymore they're either like kids movies are kids movies and adult movies are adult movies they don't make many crossovers disney does but it's not like even they are like a little too kitty for you yeah trying to think of like you know like there's the family movies i mean they're making the family movies but not yeah not like you're talking about thinking of like peach dragon this year yeah you know is one that it's like it's not overly kiddie but no i mean there's no swords it's not a fantasy no it just no. has a dragon in it i mean but i know? mean even even that i mean like yes peach dragon is is, is one of those but you know it's a it's a disney one that's it's based off an old property it's designed to what? get like I remember the original Peach Dragon. It had Mickey Rooney in it. Of course I'm going to go see it. It wasn't very good. Let's see if this is better. <laughs> it wasn't very good. No. I'll be your candle on the water. <laughs> <laughs> that, that movie, I, I had that on VHS taped over for years. Um, but yeah, they don't they don't quite make those 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 movies that are like enjoyable on that no on that all level. the movies that they make n- n- still that are that are in this genre at all are ones that try to be all lord of the ringsy like yeah. warcraft or uh the matt damon one about china that's coming out later <laughs> Great wall. oh my god i can't wait it to see that train wreck so so bad uh, uh, by the way people china china movies made in china tend to loop you in by going like oh this is movies gonna be crazy and it's never that good it's like they're six hours long and they're mostly with people talking about like ancient chinese secrets it's terrible <laughs> They're, they'll always loop you in by thinking like, oh, this is going to be a fun, like crazy sci-fi romp. And it's never that. It's never that. No. Yeah. So no, it I mean, it's not going to be that at all. I mean, this is a movie that I showed to my four-year-old. I mean, well, five-year-old. 
I showed this to my five-year-old. She sat there and watched the entire thing, and she really liked it. She also really liked The Princess Bride. And, like, I wish more movies were like this. So, I, I, I that's why I give it an A-. It's just because it's, I think it's, it's perfect for what it is. It could have, it could have been better. It's, it's good for what it is. It's not great. It's not perfect. But it it's definitely achieves what it needs to. I will allow it. Okay. Um, go to planetarbitrary.com for your Planet Arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at Planet Arbitrary. You can follow Kevin at... Uh, at K White says, you like our Facebook page backslash Comic Book Logic. Um, you could also like the sister podcast, Game Classy Podcast. It's all about tabletop gaming and uh, Pat's Retro Video Game Review Podcast, aka Play On. They just celebrated their 100th episode. Uh, the best way you could help out the podcast is like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. And uh, Kevin, until a Charlie Brown Christmas. Hey, whoa, hey, I'm a freaking star over here. <laughs> Comic, what, logic.